Welcome to Sips of Strangers. I'm Liz Mannion. And I'm Allie Stewart. And Allie, I gotta say, we are recording a podcast. Thank God it finally happened. Thank God, I We've been talking about this for a very long time. A very long time. And for those of you listening, aka our parents and our very close friends, because no one else will listen to this. We're doing our best. We're doing Thank our you best. If, you're, if you've gotten this far, congrats. Exactly. It's yeah, all downhill from here. It really is. But we thank you for being here anyways. I'm going to be honest. We have an amazing interview this week, this month, or however often we're doing this. And um, they are just a fascinating and wonderful part of the Pittsburgh community. They are a talented artist a talented designer what what are your thoughts like just talented everything i don't want to put Stu in any boxes i think that they do so much for the pittsburgh community and just being in the same room as them is a really special experience and so hopefully in us kind of allowing you all the listeners space to hear their story we Mm -hmm. hope that you can kind of feel like you're here in this room with us as well because it feels really good to be here Mm -hmm. Well, they made our, not our, their lovely drink, Sweet Tooth, um, which we will be posting the recipe and picture of at our Instagram, at Sips of Strangers. And I gotta say, this is probably the best interview we've ever had, right, Allie? I mean, not that I have too much to compare it to at this point, but I would, I would be willing to say that this is the best one we've ever done. I definitely agree that this is the best one out of all of the interviews we've done. This and is not the best done. One. This is the best and one. <laughs> yeah, and not done, yes, because this is, in fact, our first one. But welcome. But welcome. <laughs> so, please enjoy our interview Yes. with Stu Frick. And grab a drink of your own. Come sit at the table with us. Hell Yeah. <laughs> Okay, everyone. We are here with Stu Frick, a residential and amazing Pittsburgh artist. Thanks. Stu, <laughs> welcome to Sips with Strangers. Thank you for having me. Good uh, alliterative name there. <laughs> no, that one. That was Allie's idea. Um, so tell us about your drink. Like, tell us about, like, did you invent this? Yeah. Um, it's sort of like a... a twist on what I would normally drink at home. Mm-hmm. I like just making cocktails and usually pretty simple ones. Mm-hmm. And I'm also a big brandy person. That's probably like my favorite alcohol, brandy or cognac. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's sort of like the fancier version of what I would often have, which is brandy and then either tonic water or sometimes I'll do like a, a blood orange juice kind of deal. Mm. If, like, I want to feel fancy by myself. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then today I also added berries into it mm-hmm. so that my my special cocktail I made for this wasn't just two ingredients. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but I also felt bad because you guys were getting the ingredients. So oh. I was like, oh, I don't want to go crazy. <laughs> don't worry about it. Seriously, don't. I, hey, future guests, keep that in mind. But, yeah, don't worry about it. It's all It's all good. First off, when you actually sent the message of, like, when you said, like, a specific name of Brandy... Like, Allie sent me the screenshot, and I was like, oh my god, this is going to be like $45. Like, I'm going to be like, fuck. <laughs> I, and... I specifically picked a cheap brand. Oh my. Both because that's what I drink. <laughs> I don't buy expensive brandy. Mm-hmm. I bought Hennessy one time, and I, like, felt bad. Cold 45's St. Ides is the number one mm-hmm. type of 40. Mm-hmm. Used to like Old English until they went to the plastic top. Mm. That's bullshit. That is bullshit. That is your cocktail, just like a forty. Uh, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. So this reminds me of another. I did a different podcast called Straight to the League. Straight to the League. Shout out. Shout out. They they're fantastic. I love those guys, and they are like a little more uh, intensely than this, like a drinking podcast Mm. where they like have you do shots on air. Mm. So before you go on it, they like have you pick an alcohol to do. And similarly mm-hmm. to this one where I was like, oh, I don't want to pick something too expensive. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to, like, come in here being like, yeah, give me this nurse's shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so initially I said, 
Wild Irish Rose, which, if you're unfamiliar, mm-hmm. that's the cheapest type of wine that exists. Really? Yeah. I mean, if it's Irish, then, like... It's it's horrifically bad. It's truly <laughs> one of the worst drinks in the whole world, mm-hmm. but it's $5 for a 750-milliliter bottle, so mm. if you ever broke, broke, it'll be there for you. That's really good to know. Shout out. Shout out. Shout out, Wild Irish Rose. I'm they still should... trying to get a sponsor. I was going to say, they should sponsor all of us, honestly. Do you want us to get ice? Because we do have ice. It's like a five-pound bag from Buddy's Brews on Carson. Oh, also... Uh, yeah, sure. Yeah, okay, may as yeah. well. We'll get that. We're trying to be fancy. We're trying to be fancy. I don't know why I'm bringing out the tonic. I hope everyone heard the nice crisp sound of that tonic. Yeah, I really, I should have done the lean-in for that. We were considering doing an ASMR channel experience for the making of this drink, but mm-hmm. another time. It's all good. So now we have blackberries. Um, welcome to Sips with Strangers. <laughs> we could just whisper for the rest of it. I don't know if our mic is good enough, but we could try. <laughs> Yeah, so so to walk you through the drink making mm-hmm. process, I put the brandy in everyone's glass one shot. Mm-hmm. Now I am attempting to muddle the blackberries. It's going okay, I would say. Do you typically muddle with this small of a stick? No, I have like a little like cocktail muddling spoon at home that I use, or I just use a regular spoon. We have a spatula and a regular spoon. Regular spoon would work great, actually. Okay. Yeah, I'm glad everyone gets to hear this part of the experience. This is enjoyable. Well, I just don't want anyone to be in a workshop. Here at Sips with Strangers, we're all about the reality. Zero frills. Zero frills. <laughs> but the most important Sips with Strangers rule is no matter what drink you are drinking, always make sure it's on top of a coaster. No one wants a ring. Unless it's an only, engagement ring. The That's the only the rule. <laughs> that is our first rule of the podcast. I'm sure we will come up with more. Rule two, no nudity. Even nope. though they can't hear it. We Where just don't want to do it. It's an audio medium. <laughs> we all have multiple layers on right now. I, yeah. Not what? really. No, I... You're kind of revealing. Yeah, so I'm for, a little skimpy right For now. those of you not who can't see this, which is literally everyone listening, except my roommates who are in the other room, um, Stu is wearing a lovely crop top and is revealing more than I ever would A non-Christian would amount of midriff. <laughs> Say. Here's the ice if you want to start oh, a secular podcast. podcast. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually the Christian podcast. Yeah, we're not we're not gonna get a focus on the family sponsorship out of this. <laughs> yeah. Tell us about your look today. Did you accept these items? Did you uh so this shirt is from Three Pigs Collective Shout from out. Lawrenceville. Shout out to I Three Pigs Collective. Me. They are one of, if not the best vintage seller in the city. I would say Sadie, who runs it, is an absolute angel. Shout out to Sadie. Shout out to Janine. Shout out to everyone at Three Pigs Collective. We all love you. Um, these pants are thrifted, and then the shoes I got from Time Bomb Shop. Very nice. Yeah. Very nice. I got everything from J. Crew. I don't think they will be sponsoring this podcast anytime soon. Yeah, it isn't really like a fashion discussion podcast necessarily, is it? Yeah, no. And I, I think I'm a little out of there. Uh, I think I'm a little out of their, like, radar. I don't think they're really thinking of... I mean, you know... Really? Sure you don't I'm, think that there's, like, a J. Crew rep being, like, you know, keep an eye on Liz. <laughs> I heard about this five-dollar <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So, how do I how do I do this? I muddle... Do I muddle with the brandy right now? Yeah, yeah. I tend to muddle with the brandy. You can muddle without the brandy. But mm-hmm. I just kind of like to have it, like, mix up into a little thing. May I have your muddling spoon? Ah, but the shun- How many blackberries slash raspberries are I did two a piece, amount? but you can really do however many you want. I'm going to, like, garnish this. That's- I wish... No, I'm kind of glad this isn't on video, but I wish everyone could see this, because it's very pretty. Well... I, I like to make pretty drinks, yeah. Well, you can check this out on our Instagram, at Sips with Strangers. It. You will have a nice picture of Stu's drink. Do you have a name for this drink? Oh, yeah. I guess I'll call it the Sweet Tooth, because that's all, like, my brand stuff. Your brand? Stuff. I so love that. That's all, like, there's, like, fruit in it. I'm just going to cop out and do the easy drink name. Mm-hmm. It's a sweet tooth. I love that. That's actually fantastic. So do you... So tell actually, seriously, tell us about your brand, because I do enjoy the Pittsburgh art scene, but I haven't really learned a whole lot about the art that you do. So mm-hmm. just tell us about, like, that kind of stuff. Like, the, you know, your 
show how you got into art? Is that like, I feel like, is that a dumb question? Like, how did you get into art? But like, No, no, that's not a dumb question. <laughs> that That's one of the recurring questions I like answering, because that mm-hmm. part is fun. How mm-hmm. I made my first piece isn't that fun. Mm. So... By the way, everyone. The second piece. Yeah, second piece on is really great. By the way, everyone, this drink is fabulous. I've never had cognac before or brandy, and I love this so much. It's a, it's definitely a good way to ease into the drink, is with the the peach one. You know, mm-hmm. I recommend trying some like nice cognac at a bar sometime, mm-hmm. like some cavassier or something, just straight. It's a very enjoyable drink. It's not quite as like smoky and, and silly mm-hmm. as like, whiskey and all I that. Feel pretty silly. <laughs> Try two more, you'll feel real silly. Oh, I'm already feeling silly. But you do have to drive home and we don't want to make you too silly. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not We're only having home. moderate amounts of silly on this show. Yes. This is a yes. show. Only yeah, and as always, drink responsibly. But anyway. So Stu, back to how you got yeah. involved in art. <laughs> so what I do is uh Sweet Tooth is a clothing brand that I own operate. Uh I make painted clothing, so I find secondhand pieces, either they're donated to me, I thrift them, I get them from vintage stores, uh, state sales, etc., etc., and I paint them. Mm-hmm. And that's mostly it. Sometimes I sew things, but pretty infrequently. Um, I got into all of our, I got into fashion initially. Fashion was like my foray into the art world overall, because mm-hmm. my family is not artistic, pretty much whatsoever. There's a couple like musicians but in terms of, like, people's primary passions in life, everyone's much more into, like, sciences. Like, everyone in my family's a scientist. Mm-hmm. So it's not that they, like, didn't encourage enjoyment of the arts, but it wasn't just in the forefront of their minds as something mm-hmm. that, you know, they wanted everyone to do. Mm-hmm. So my first foray into fashion was actually the video game NFL Street 2. <laughs> um, the GameCube right Nintendo. Because they had, they had like, one of those classic, like, make-your-own-team, you know, mm-hmm. beat-everyone-else-in-the-city kind of deals. Mm-hmm. And you could customize everyone's outfits. Mm-hmm. And that was a robust system that they had. They oh had a lot goodness. of clothing options. Like, it was sort of that, like, tucked-away mm-hmm. part of the game where it's, like, mm-hmm. it's a football game on the surface. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was nice and easy. I grew up in Pittsburgh, so, like, you had to, like, football. Mm-hmm. But then there was, like, this fashion part hidden underneath it and I got like super into that and I would spend hours like customizing everyone's outfits like picking new team colors and stuff like that um and that you know I I just sort of had this like latent pent-up interest in fashion for a long time Mm -hmm. until I like grew up and could start to get into it and wear really bad outfits in high school (laughs) lord it's okay I wore puka shells for like six months in college and I'm going to be honest, I think that was probably one of the worst decisions I've made in my life. Oh. <laughs> that sounds like it could have been a pretty fun time, honestly. I think, like, the thing is, though, I wasn't living the puka shell lifestyle. Like, ah. I wasn't, like, you know, smoking a shit ton of weed and, like, drink. I was probably drinking margarita. I was an old high schooler. <laughs> 21 years old. She got Someone called the cops. Several times. Yep, I was held back a few times. Um, but also I think I will have, like, for me, fashion isn't something that, like, I've really wanted to, like, play with or experiment with until, like, I was, like, in my 20s, so I think that's really cool that that's something that, also, the puka shells was not in my 20s, that wasn't me playing, that was just me being, like, I think puka shells look cool, but, like, I think in general, like, I know, like, when I plan my outfits, it's something I, like, really look forward to, and I like mixing with colors and stuff, but the fact that that's something that you really, like, saw even at such, like, an early age playing NFL and, like, looking for ways to, like, play with fashion at that point in your life, I think that's really fascinating. I think that's amazing. And it was kind of weird how, like, there was such that, like, that was in, like, I don't know, third, fourth grade, Mm -hmm. and then I didn't, like, my family bought all my clothes, you know, I I didn't have much, like, choice in that. I went to a school that had a uniform for a while, so mm-hmm. it was kind of, like, latent mm-hmm. until high school when I was like, oh, like, that's cool, that's cool. And I, and it, like, you know, sort of brought back mm-hmm. all those memories. Um, yeah. I just thought about this picture of you from your Instagram where you're wearing a jersey, and I love... I took that on the south side a couple blocks away. <laughs> I just think like, it's very full circle of kind of where... Yeah, you're a little bit. Somewhere. I don't wear too too many sports jerseys, but they whenever whenever I do want to pull them out, I, I enjoy them a lot. 
not a very good functional outfit. Like, there's a reason they're sports yeah. jerseys. Oh, it's yeah. It's because you're supposed to be able to, like, move and sweat in them a lot. I'm mm-hmm. a big sweater, so. <laughs> Shout out Literally? To sweat. <laughs> Yo, I mean, we would die without it, so. Well, I, I think that that is a very rational way to go about that, because when I played games, it was always, like, Guitar Hero 3, and I would try to see their outfits, and I was, like, in the fifth grade thinking, I'm going to wear what they wear which never ended up well for me. It was uh, a lot of, like, acid wash purple jeans, but I would not have anything to pair it with because I was in middle school, so it was, like, with a purple Aeropostale shirt. Yeah, So it was yeah. kind of like a, like a big purple <laughs> moment that looked a little bit like a Veruca Salt in um, Willy Wonka. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of what I got into in high school was I started trying to emulate fashion because whenever I was into NFL Street, I didn't have, like, the opportunity to wear what they were wearing because it was like early 2000s streetwear, you know, like tall tees and like Tim's and stuff like that. And I went to like a tiny Christian school with a dress code. So most of the things I wouldn't be able to wear, mm. it's not like I could afford chains at the time. But in high school is when I like started trying to do emulation and that, yeah, I feel like that's whenever like the big early age pitfalls in fashion happens. Whenever you like see something that you like, you know, you like it. And you know you want to, like, look like it, but you don't know how to do it yet. So you just sort of stumble into, like, a three-piece suit, <laughs> in my case. Well, this is sounds... like your worst outfit that you think you put together? Or yes, 100%. There's a, there's a senior picture of me hanging up on my family's wall of me in a three-piece suit <laughs> and an old-style hat. May or may not have been a fedora. Like with my trombone. Ooh, your trombone. Say, but... No. No, there's a trombone involved. I, I look like a, uh, I was into, like, noir movies and stuff. So I was trying to look like a, like a 19, like, 40s, like, post-World War II detective, I think. I feel like this was your puka shells phase. Yes, that's a, as soon as you said the puka shells, I was like, oh, that was my three-piece suit. Yeah. That was your three-piece suit. Wow. I would, like, wear it to school and be like, I bet people will think I'm cool. They didn't. We can ask them if you want. That's actually who we, actually, that's our next guest. <laughs> yeah. Come on out. Come on out. I would welcome it now. Like if, you know, I'm not too worried about not being a cool person in high school. Like mm-hmm. I, it's actually kind of fun now. Like some people that I knew in high school, like bought pieces off of me mm-hmm. and like follow me and are like mm-hmm. pseudo fans of me mm-hmm. in some ways, like on Instagram, you know, yeah. it's not like they're like, wow, I love Studio. But it is always <laughs> weird to like see them whenever they're buying things off me and I'm like, wow, who really saw me at, at my worst, huh? Thanks for sticking around. <laughs> and they still love you, and that is, that means something special, you know? Mm-hmm. I think your next move should maybe be to paint a three-piece suit. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing for Fashion Week, because mm. I'm doing vintage business wear. Tell us more. Uh, Pittsburgh Fashion Week, October 3rd. Tickets are on sale now. Go cop those. I'm one of the designers. Mm-hmm. What's up? Um, so, yeah, Pittsburgh Fashion Week, I'm doing my normal style for the show, so I'm using repurposed clothing mm-hmm. and painting it. Um, and everything that I'm doing is vintage or secondhand business wear. Most of the like the main pieces that I'm using are all like certified vintage business wear. Uh, and I'm essentially doing like a not just like a straight up like here's a three piece suit and I painted it. I just wanted to take something that's normally very like stingy and stuffy you know people enjoy vintage business wear but it's not like it's uh a bastion of like self-expression or creativity you know it's more so a bastion of like bland but well done conformity uh so i wanted to turn on its head a little bit and do things like fun bright silly patterns all over the stuff uh, that very obviously clashes with the original intent of the piece. And sometimes I'm styling it in a way that's, like, against traditional, like, vintage business fashion norms. Like, I'm doing blazers with no shirt underneath, just, like, taped to people's chests and stuff like that. So it's going to be something that's, like, very recognizable in terms of, like, silhouette and structure. But then everything on the exterior shell of it will be distinctly rotating away from what the original intent of the pieces was. And it's been really that's, fun. That's amazing. So my next question for you, this might be veering a little bit off, but is there a period 
of fashion or like one fashion item that's popular that you wish would just go away? Like that you cannot stand? Um, Because I think we all have one. I have to think about it. What is yours? Yeah, what's mine? Yeah, Yeah, what's yours? I'm not the designer. Okay, this is very like... Puka shells. It's not puka shells. Um, <laughs> yeah, also, it's not like puka shells are in right no, now necessarily. I'm gonna make a drink for the next one. It's just gonna be an homage to puka shells. Puka shells <laughs> with the vodka in it. You gotta drink the vodka through the puka shells. Puka shells into the drink. Um, man, I feel like this mic is only picking up my cackle. Um, so I think so. Here's my thing. I have a boot cut jeans are not feasible outside of the fall and winter time. And look, I love a good pair of boots. You can ask any person that has ever spent... But usually I feel like straight cut jeans do the job that you would want them to. Mm-hmm. Boot cut jeans... Somehow, everyone that wears boot cut jeans looks racist. I don't know how they manage <laughs> what it. What about bell bottoms? Because I'm that's totally different. very partial to those. Like yeah, that's an exaggerated form of it. Boot cut is... I mean, like... Uh, I feel like specifically boot cut, like deep blue denim, looks weird. But things that have a boot cut to them can be played around with in a really fun way that I've seen a lot of people utilize in a really cool way. But usually it isn't denim. It's more so like trousers or wool or linen. Right. But see, I love deep blue denim. Like, that is one of my, like, go-to jeans. Like, I... Like, I don't know, like, the light, these, these aren't jeans, these yeah, are dresses. I've been in the, I've been in literally, the the, I was like, no, nah, those are leggings, but I see where you're coming from. I've been in the same, like, pair of clothes, like, set of clothes since, like, 8 a.m. this morning. I probably smell, like, I probably, like, seem tired and, like, but, you know, I'm live tired your life. too. I just accidentally around. locked my wallet in the gallery. I'm pretty sure I left my keys at the cocktail bar Allie and I were just at so we shall see we're all having a great evening we're We're really pulling it together we all made it here and at least one microphone works and we all have a beautiful drink in our hands that's true drink that that was while I was like super frustrated looking Mm -hmm. for parking being like fuck I gotta go and get my wallet tomorrow before I drive up to Erie Mm -hmm. and like all the spots were just barely too small for my car to fit I was like at least I know that I like have to sit down for an hour or so drink with some people and just talk like yeah uh, Over here, we're all about the talking and the drinking, responsibly. <laughs> um, so, but I, you know what else I like cannot stand? How do you, like, scrunchies? I can't, like, what do they do that ponytails don't do? They I don't really know. They have personality. I mean, I don't wear them personally, but I think that they have more personality than a scrunchie. Like, than a, than a hair tie. A hair mm-hmm. tie is trying to, to hide in some ways, just like your hair is up. The other one is like a statement, and I think a lot of people put it on and they're like, I feel how, how big is your scrunchie collection, Allie? Because you came in to defend those. You real did hard. come in to defend those. I have those. a lot of friends that wear them, and they look very cute in them. I'm, I My hair's not really long enough. Like, I, it used to be, and then I, I had a couple of emotional haircuts, and now we're, <laughs> now we're kind of Joan Jetting it, and it's just <laughs> a lot more butch than I probably am, and it, we're, we're here. And it's, You're solidly butch right now, I would say. That's exactly how I describe myself. Yeah. Fuck you. What, um, so, Fem butch. Yeah, I was going to say. It's the exact mid-ground. So I thought that was chapstick. So I'm going to tell you guys something. What is chapstick? Okay, so. What, like uh, the moisturizing power of butch? Because <laughs> to, right to me, if we're talking about products, it's, uh, yeah, true. <laughs> if this is insensitive, we can just cut this out. But when I was first learning about um, lesbians, um... <laughs> And that is how it happens. You learn about them, and then you're like, hmm, what am I? <laughs> well, I first learned about lesbians, and I first, and it was from Degrassi, obviously. <laughs> um, shout out to Degrassi, sponsor us. Um, what do you mean? Th- are they still on TV? You know, they... TV show <laughs> still around. Yeah, but that's not... This. You know he still cares. All the actors aren't dead, thus that means they still do sponsorships. Anyways, I'm Literally sorry, everyone Degrassi. sponsor us. Um... So I remember we were, and you were explaining to my grandmother who obviously needed, like my sister who was um, extremely intelligent and is very, she's a lawyer, she's very involved in queer culture and that's something that like I'm still learning about um, and I can admit I'm still learning about as something Mm -hmm. that's not super familiar to me and I like want to be a better person with that. But my sister was um, explaining to my grandmother at the time that, uh, 
like there was lipstick lesbian, chapstick lesbian, and butch. And my grandmother, with her very heavy Brooklyn accent, was like, See, I only thought there was Butch. The only one I knew was Butch. Like, I'm, I'm queer, and I don't understand the addition of the LGBTQ, because queer is generally utilized as a catch-all yeah. for everything. Like, I use it as an umbrella term for just every, everybody within a, the queer identity, so it's weird to add on as a specific to, you know, as a term that's an umbrella term to add on as a specific part of an initialism. I think it probably got added on later, because for a long time, queer was, like, an insult. Like, people felt like they couldn't say it. And yeah, like, yeah, okay, so maybe adding it to the uh, initialism was, like, the sort of official reclamation of, like, You can speech. say that now. Yeah, yeah. Like, whenever queer people were like, yeah, we're saying this shit. Like, it's ours. We're taking back our award. <laughs> yeah. And I think, I, I like it. It's so much easier to say queer. I'm yeah. And I'm honestly, a lot more fun. Yeah. yeah. And, like, everyone gets it. Because, you know, people don't really... Like, especially within, uh, like, casual conversation, or, like, if you're at a party, it's not, like, a ton of details need to be gone through. A lot of the time, finding out if other people are queer is just, like, a, like, social ritual of, like, comfort. So it's just like, yeah, I'm queer. And you're like, tight. I don't know exactly what that entails, but we all need to know. Like, we cool. just know that we're, like, safer yeah. around yeah, each other now. exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. a very safety thing. Mm -hmm. I think, like, what the hard part is, is I think, I can we, I really like how we, like, diverted to queer, but that's what happens here when you drink with your... When strangers and friends. Strangers. When you sit with strangers. <laughs> That's actually one of the points of the podcast. Um, but I think, how do you feel, like, the older, like, I mean, my grandparents aren't around anymore, but in terms of, like, if you think about, like, my, like, older people, like, even, like, our parents who are, like, you know, probably in their 40s, 50s, 60s, how to like we kind of explain like it's great that all of us are like oh yeah you're queer tight awesome like we um, but like how do we like try to because I always have to have like that conversation with someone who's older than me like what non-binary means like what you know bisexual means what pansexual means and like I think that that's something that like I think it's good that like they all most people I've talked to have all really wanted to understand and are coming from a really good place with yeah. it but it's kind of like, what do you like? So generally, I what I've found to be successful is having easy catch-all terms, establishing that there's only a certain amount of information necessary for specific situations. So like, sometimes it's that kind of like loose social situation where it's like, you don't need to know that many specifics mm -hmm. about me. Um, and then also just understanding that, like part of me being able to handle those situations better is understanding that, like, I don't have all the information necessary to educate someone properly. Mm -hmm. You know, lived experience as a queer person is a lot different than being able to package that and mm -hmm. explain it to someone else. So a lot of it can be just about, like, providing resources of, like, hey, this isn't a ready-made explanation mm -hmm. instead of me trying to, like, weirdly summarize my, yeah. my life to you mm -hmm. in a way that we both know probably isn't going to be satisfactory. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of my experience, too, has been taking a lot of judgment out of the education piece because I mean yes there are people that can be kind of malicious in how they deal with change and they might think that there's something wrong with being queer because of something they don't understand but a lot of times people just don't understand it and they because it's something they don't get then it's frustrating for them in some way and it's yeah it's very important to like in any of those kind of situations the first thing first is just like figure out the intent because mm -hmm. like I don't think most queer people have a hard time figuring out, like, mm -hmm. oh, this person is trying to learn more from me, and they seem to think that I'm someone that might be able to educate them on, on it. Cool. That's tight. Versus someone that's just, like, being combative and trying to start an argument. Mm. That's not worth anybody's time. We both mm -hmm. know that you aren't going to think differently because of anything I say mm -hmm. to you. Yeah. And truthfully, it's a lot more likely to become just, like, a dangerous situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's important to know when to disengage and when to engage. Mm -hmm. Right. It's been important to just understand the power of listening. Like, sometimes the best way to learn about something isn't about asking questions. It's just to be, like... Because, like, that is something that I run into a lot, is, like, 
someone will ask a question, I'll begin to explain it, and then that'll lead to another question, another question, another question. And, like, that's good, but it's also, like, you know, we don't got 50 minutes to break down, like, mm -hmm. A, terminology, B, like, historical ideation of these different things, the, like, scholastic and academic backing for all of this. Mm -hmm. So it's, like, you sometimes you just gotta, like, be quiet, listen to the one thing, take it in. Perhaps you don't fully understand it. Go home and Google it, yo. <laughs> like, there's a lot of resources out there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's super cool. Absolutely. So, you started out with, and I'm not entirely familiar with your work, what I have seen is absolutely beautiful and, like, astonishing. I think it's amazing. I'm cool. not just Thanks. saying that because you decided to be our first guest. <laughs> we wanted you to You better be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me how good it is again. We, we still have a couple minutes. We will get there. <laughs> um, but I, do you also... Do you just paint clothes, or do you do any, like, canvas painting or so anything else? So I actually, like, rolled out my first set of canvases that mm -hmm. I sort of exhibitioned and showed to the world at this gallery show mm -hmm. that just opened up at Boom Concepts, Worse for Wear, that's up until September 28th. Um, oh, you'll get your plug time. Oh, no word, word. You get, <laughs> at the end, you get about, like, 30 seconds of plug time, We're where it's all you. Tight. No. I'm busy, so I'll try and fit it all uh -huh. in. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but that was my first time rolling out canvases. Mm -hmm. I almost entirely work on clothes, mm -hmm. but it was it was really enjoyable to go to canvases because clothes are like a really challenging and frustrating uh, medium to work mm -hmm. on because they can be kind of like I don't I don't know how to paint on clothes, but I feel like that would be kind of frustrating. Yeah, my you gotta favorite. do a lot of weird angles. You gotta deal with a lot of folds. You have to learn how to paint on a lot of different materials because people sometimes people are just like, "Oh, you paint on clothes? Like that's cool. Like you know, you must do like the same thing." But you have like denim, you have silk, you have leather, you have polyester, you have the nylon. That you do are amazing. Thank you. you. The, the yellow trendy that is probably my favorite thing. Wait, which one? The, the, the heels. The the tennis shoes. Oh, the drippy ones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had a lot of fun with those. That was before I even knew how to paint on shoes. That was like acrylic with fabric medium, which is not the proper thing to put on there. Although they're wearing okay. They're like only starting to trip after a year and a half. Yeah, see, I was just going to call you out. I was going to be like, you know, acrylic and fabric just like don't work out. You know that, right? <laughs> You're really like a now, now I use high quality leather paints, so it's much more professional. Thank you. Shoes are probably one of the more fun things I get to work on. Because you don't have to worry too much about, like, spending a ton of time laying in color. Like, with denim, it's so thick and absorbent that you have to do, like, three layers on everything if you want it to be opaque. Otherwise, it'll just sort of be this, like, hazy, like, within the fabric kind of deal. But shoes, especially leather shoes, like, with leather paint, it sits on top rather than, like, soaking into it. Mm -hmm. So you immediately, you can get so much more fine detail because you can use really fine tip brushes and get a pickness in one stroke instead of, like, four. What's the most personal, if you don't mind me asking, what's the most, like, personal project for you or the one that, like, means the most to you? Like, a singular piece or project overall? Piece, project, whatever. Like, if, when you think back at your, like at like the pieces you've done or the projects you've done where you're like, you know what, that was the big one for me. That was the one where, not the big one, like not the one that like made you, but like the one that, <laughs> um, the one that you really like put a lot of time into, or even not a lot of time, but a lot of thought and a lot of like, okay, yes, this is me. Yeah. Like this is me or like, this is something that really illustrates what I went through, but yeah, funny you should ask because that feels like a like a planned question because it's literally my gallery show that just opened up. Mm -hmm. So timing couldn't have been better. Mm -hmm. but, it was not a planned question. It yeah. was the it was the too sweet too thin question. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, definitely my gallery show that just opened up. Mm -hmm. It was like because in a lot of ways this is like the big one <laughs> where like it's my first gallery show and I I booked it back in like earlier this year was when I like booked the slot. And I knew that I had to sort of come with something big. Mm -hmm. You know, I didn't just want to, like, throw crap out there and be like, here, it's pretty close, go buy mm -hmm. it. You know, yeah. I had to come with, like, a centralized vision and, you know, a message and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I did it based on my experiences with psychotic depression and schizophrenia. Mm -hmm. um, so, like, you know, obviously, mm -hmm. wow, like, terrible mental health experiences. That's mm -hmm. a pretty easy way to get very personal quickly. But I've been working up to it for years now you know that was some of like the first things that I made art about 
because the first experiences of me like actually making art was sort of relatively typical, just like mm -hmm. working through trauma, screaming at the void type of shit, you know, mm -hmm. writing terrible poetry, painting pretty crappy clothes, but just like getting something on it. Mm -hmm. So I was both able to sort of actually realize this idea of a project that I wanted to do for a long time, but didn't mm -hmm. feel like I had the talents to like properly get out there. Mm -hmm. And you have these ideas, but you don't have the, the skill to paint it right yet. Mm -hmm. And then also I got to sort of dip into my archives because I've been making pieces about this for so long. Mm -hmm. And I had I have pieces up in Boom right now that are like two years old. Mm -hmm. I've been painting for three years. So they're like super old, sometimes really rudimentary mm -hmm. comparatively to new designs. There's some things that I, you know, went back and like redid sketches of and things like that. Um, and, you know, just pieces, like a lot of pieces that were based on like these really, really long standing like simmering ideas mm -hmm. that I finally got to like put out and in a way that was personally satisfying and not mm -hmm. sort of slapped together mm -hmm. um, so yeah definitely that one all right that's awesome um I feel like I had at least one or two more questions but you you were very open you were transparent about your um you were saying like your schizophrenia and depression. Yeah. I mean, I made um, a whole gallery show about it. It would be kind of <laughs> silly to do that and be like, don't ask me about don't it. Don't ask me about it. Yeah. Yeah. Is your synesthesia represented at all in your current gallery show? Yeah. And for those who do not know, you have synesthesia. Yeah, synesthesia, mental phenomenon where your sensory inputs overlap. The most common form is with auditory and visual. That's the one that I have. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I see colors patterns and shapes in my field of vision whenever I listen to music, hear people's voices, or sometimes from environmental noises. <laughs> Do you guys want to try this? Hold on, my roommates are here. Why? Oh, you're, okay. Okay, it's quite lovely. Do you want to try this? Okay, all right, okay. It's the Sweet Tooth by Stu Frick. It's beautiful. Thanks, yo. I, have, I see some red. <laughs> so how old were you when you first discovered that you had this kind of sensation happening in your body? So I don't remember, like, I've experienced it for, like, pretty much my whole life. Like, it's tied into a lot of older memories. Obviously, it's, you know, I, I'm not, I can't, like, sort of go back and be like, oh, yeah, that was yellow. Like, you know, it's, like, as hazy as early childhood memories are. But I, I want to say it was around, like, somewhere between like 12 and 15 when I started understanding what it was and because that's when I was like going on Wikipedia and just like finding things and like going down Wikipedia holes and stuff like that uh, when I like realized it wasn't like a normal mental experience to have I just sort of thought it was because you know there's a lot of like weird things that happen in our vision you know whenever you like close your eyes you get those like weird flashes and like green spots and stuff like that or like standing up too fast when you've been sitting for a while you get weird things in your field of vision so i was just sort of like oh this is like you know part of life whatever it happens and then i realized that it like wasn't a regular thing to happen i was like oh shit that's crazy it's amazing and you do you use that and you were kind of saying like how that happened do you use that in your art or like that kind yeah, of thing quite a bit yeah mm -hmm. I, I try to not use it, like, too much, because mm -hmm. I don't want to, like, I don't want to have that be my gimmick or something like mm -hmm. that. Like, that's sort of one of my fears, is mm -hmm. just, like, getting a bit more of a name for myself and having it just be like, that's the artist with synesthesia, isn't mm -hmm. that wacky? Mm -hmm. Not, like, not like in a denigrating way, necessarily, but, mm -hmm. you know, I don't want that to encapsulate everything my art is, but at mm -hmm. the same time, I do use it a lot, so mm -hmm. I can't really blame people for thinking of it. Yeah. If I'm remembering properly, haven't you done some art, or like you made art live at events when music is playing? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I try and let that factor in. Sometimes I go in with a plan whenever I'm live painting so I don't have to think about it too much. Occasionally I'll just sort of swap out a couple colors, but generally that's harder to do because if I don't know what it's going to be, then I have to bring a lot of different paints to be able to try and replicate it. So it depends on how big of, you know, if I have like a smaller travel case that I can bring with me, then I'll just plan something out and be like, these are the colors I'm using. Sometimes I'll bring a lot more options and being able to play a little bit. But it's it's a bit restrictive to do it live. And if this is a question that is in any way like not 
you know, appropriate or whatever, we can absolutely cut it out. Mm -hmm. You can cut out anything you want, except for, you know, all of the insulting things you said about all your fans. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm uh, flattered that you think I have fans. (laughs) You have two here. Yeah, you definitely have two right now. I do, like, have some fans now, and it's very odd. Pretty tight, but, like, very odd. I don't know what to do. Because, like, you don't know these people, and these people know you. And I'm not, like, famous, at all mm-hmm. you know like i'm i still have like a day job mm-hmm. so yeah like people are like yeah like 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 i've mm-hmm. had some people like come up to me in public mm-hmm. and i'm just like i don't know what to do here like am i supposed <laughs> to be cooler than i am i don't know what's going on just, thank you <laughs> you seem very cool so far and i just met you so don't worry about it but um Anyways, my so question for you is now with the synesthesia do you ever feel that you like, it, it's an advantage, it can be an advantage in a lot of ways, but do you ever feel like, you know, do you ever worry that sometimes, like, your audience might miss that? Like, kind of, like, it might not connect with the audience because mm. it's such a rare condition. Yeah. I don't know if that's, like, a good question or anything. But no, like no, that's... That, is, that is a good question. <laughs> it's something that I've considered a lot when making art about it. It's not really something that I worry about mm-hmm. because I, you know, especially mm-hmm. having done it and used it for a while I figured out how I want to like package it you know Mm -hmm. sometimes things are truer to the actual form but sometimes I'm like making something based off a song and Mm -hmm. it just isn't a pattern that either I can translate into like a 2d you know like visual form very easily Mm -hmm. or just like isn't that pretty you know like Mm -hmm. not everything is gorgeous colors everywhere sometimes it's like Oh, it's kind of like a pukey green. That's not all that great. <laughs> and even if it's like beautiful music, sometimes mm-hmm. it just doesn't, I don't know how exactly my brain works. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've sort of figured out how to uh, package and represent those experiences in a way that'll be visually pleasing consistently. Mm-hmm. You know, I've studied a lot of like pattern, not a lot. I've mostly studied Isabel de Bourgrave and, uh, you know, emulated some of their like pattern work in some ways so that Mm -hmm. I can sort of guarantee like even if the sort of underlying aspects of this art doesn't hit I still want it to be enjoyable in some way Mm -hmm. sometimes I deviate from that and sort of make things selfishly where it's like if you don't get it fuck you (laughs) you know especially because a lot of the time I'm I'm, you know I'm doing clothes I'm doing custom pieces so it's Mm -hmm. things that I want people to feel you know like comfortable and wanting to wear and if Mm -hmm. I'm just making something for myself that isn't able to give them that, then I don't think I did my job right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm not too sure what your music taste looks like, but do you typically choose your music based on audio or visual? Audio still. There's something, sometimes the visual, because like, it's not like, the synesthesia isn't like a, like an always like constant, like as soon as I turn on any song, I'm like, whoa! <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it like takes time to ease into, or it'll be a little more vague before I like get more familiar with music mm-hmm. so it isn't that I like pick it based off of that but sometimes it can augment already really good experiences you know like some of my favorite albums I, I I'm like a big like repetitive listener mm-hmm. I don't have that like super broad of a music taste mm-hmm. but the things that I do like I'll play them over and over and over and over so albums like um like go by my favorite color that was like a beautiful album, both sonically and I had a really enjoyable visual experience with it. So it was easier to just be like, yeah, I'll play that again. Yeah, I'll play that again. Yeah, I'll play that again. And like Benji's music, like mm-hmm. Benji has like a really good voice. So, and like a really nice voice, both sonically and visually. So it's a lot easier to just be like, yeah, I know that I'll like this. And, you know, repeat the album and then you get acclimated to the visuals of the album and it becomes sort of like this, you know, side-by-side experience with it so that isn't how I decide but it can help it might be hard to distinguish but is there ever like an album that you've heard that you're like this sounds really good but oh my god like when I see it it's like disgusting Big L Lifestyles of the Porn Dangerous (laughs) is one of my favorite albums but it's ugly (laughs) which is like kind of the point it's like a really like grimy ass like New York mid-90s rap album like Wu-Tang-esque so it isn't like maybe it's, they'll sponsor it's, us after this. Big L's dead, so okay. <laughs> never mind. Never mind. Never mind. <laughs> now he'll just haunt us. Thank you. I hope not. He did not like gay people, so you know oh, there's God. a chance. But uh, you know he, he's he's dead, so it's not mm-hmm. like we can cancel him. 
Yeah. It's already canceled. Mm. He's already... He's canceled in the most meaningful way. Yeah, in the, in in the most distinctly canceled way you can be. <laughs> um, but no, that, that album is like pretty ugly visually, but I think it's a really like beautiful album, and in some ways the ugly visualness goes along with the kind of like, you know, gritty and dark mm -hmm. nature of a lot of it. So, yeah, there are albums like that. So you have a much broad, like, I think when I'm listening, when I'm hearing you talk about, like, these albums that you like, I actually do not know a lot of them, but, like, I pride myself on, I mean, Allie will tell you, I have a pretty, like, broad music taste. Mm -hmm. uh, she says I'm the only person she trusts with the aux cord. I think That's many, honor. many of my friends would disagree with that. But Allie would not. Allie, you're very intentional about the music that you choose I to am play. Whereas a lot of people are like, I dig it. And you're like, I love this because it means something. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that That's can it. go too far on the ox, though. Oh like, whenever God. you're just, like, driving and someone's like, this song means a lot well, to and me. And it's like, just fucking put on. It's <laughs> like, every time I'm like, we should just listen to the Cranberries again because I have <laughs> yeah. feelings. That one song by the Cranberries was like, la, la. That's all the songs. Yeah, yeah. No, the one where she's just like yelling at the end. That's me and my sister's favorite song. <laughs> like we like like that. I like fuck hard with that song. I'm like, oh my dreams. I was pretty good at that I didn't shit. know that about you. Yeah, yeah. If there's one thing I want people to know, it's that I could probably still throw it down as a middle hitter. <laughs> so we're going to have a volleyball game? Actually, yeah, actually my legs, it's a lot. My legs are not, I'm not nearly as in shape, but my arms are still long as hell, so. Oh my God. Were you more, see, I, that was the one sport I could not adjust to. So was it, or were you more of a bump, a set, or, wait. Bump, set, or a spike bump guy. Bump is this one. Oh. I was, I was a bumper, but my arms would get, like, as red as these raspberries. Yeah, just, yeah. Like, it wasn't good form. It hurt. It sucked. So, I was a middle hitter. Bumping would be more like a libero, mm -hmm. or sometimes a middle hitter. Setting would be the setter. Mm -hmm. And then I was, I was a, a hitter and a blocker. Mm -hmm. I did a lot of blocking, and... Not as much hitting the big, like the the ones that you're probably thinking of, of like people like soaring and like smashing that shit. That's an outside or like left side hitter because mm -hmm. that's where you can, the setter will be on the opposite side of the court. So they'll have like a long lob and a lot of wind up for them to get to. Mm -hmm. Middle hitting is more like quick ones to try and get the other side to like have a bad defensive play mm -hmm. because they weren't expecting the hit. Mm -hmm. And then you also are involved in every block whenever you're in the front. Because if you're in the middle, if someone's hitting on the one side or the other side or in the middle, you have to be there to block all of them. How long did you play volleyball for? One year. Oh, you yes. know so much. Okay. I really liked that shit. I'm not, like, I'm, like, relatively pseudo-athletic, but I wasn't ever that good at sports for the most part. I, like, played soccer a lot growing up. But, and then I did a marching band in high school. So we're not going to be seeing you in the 2022 Summer Olympics. Is that when then? Probably not. Olympics? I don't know when that happens. Maybe it's just going to be an NFL thing and you're going to design all their outfits and it's going to be great. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going for. Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm definitely, I, I'm not, I'm focusing more on art than athletics. Like, oh, absolutely. Like, for <laughs> sure. I haven't been to the gym in two months. I mean, so. I definitely think you could totally upgrade, like, most NFL uniforms. I'm, so, fun fact about me, I don't know if you, if, how much Ali told you about me, I'm from New York. Okay. So I'm a New York Jets fan, I don't know how much you know about, like, a lot of the football teams, but, um, in the most recent, uh, the most recent Jets game, they had green helmets, green shirts, and green bottoms. Is it a color rush? No, it wasn't a color rush. No, it was Vintage, no, uh, throwback. I it wasn't throwback where like they had black bottoms or white bottoms. I don't know, but all I know is when I looked at them, they looked like broccoli. Mm. So I mean, it's like a vegetable. I it's feel a, like the Jets don't have very they don't have a very pleasing green on there. I feel like it's like not olive enough to be olive, not forest enough to be forest, but not Kelly. <laughs> You know, nothing about them. Yeah, like, if I, I was athletic, I would want an olive green uniform. Yeah. I'm wearing olive. It would be hard to make that not look military. I think that's olive. Is this forest or olive? Honestly, uh, this is an audio meeting. Uh, medium. I would say olive. I would say olive. Okay. 
Bad radio moment. <laughs> Going radio. over the colors. <laughs> it's interesting. I actually listen to a podcast where they play charades. <laughs> How, How difficult is that to follow? I'm gonna be honest. It's not that difficult. Like it keeps me. It keeps me. I guess me they kind of know they're on a podcast. So they like playing to it a little mm-hmm. bit. They probably have thought through their podcast a bit more than we have. Yeah, it's like an ESPN podcast too, so it's pretty like uh, it's pretty well funded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we're pretty thematically sporty in this one, mm-hmm. so that's very maybe interesting. ESPN will want to sponsor us. Y'all are talking about sponsors a lot. You got. We're just trying. Of, this is we were we're just using you for sponsors too. Know, Squarespace. Squarespace. <laughs> <laughs> Please Over five hundred great designs. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, when I had a short-lived blog, I had to choose between Squarespace and Wix, and I chose Wix. So yeah. I have a Squarespace right now mm-hmm. for like my Sweet Tooth website, mm-hmm. and it is trash. I'm not a web designer. I'm paying someone to design a website right now. That's like a professional graphic. Does designer. that person know anything about editing podcasts? Because we might need to help them out. <laughs> no, no, we might need them to help us out. Well. Do it has been freaking fantastic. You have been amazing. So you get because you made an amazing drink and it was wonderful. You get thirty seconds of completely uninterrupted plug time. What is going on in your life? What do you like want people to know about you? It's all you. Thirty seconds. Go for it. Okay. Or right 40. now, I have uh, worse for wear. My first gallery show is open at Boom Concepts until September twenty eighth. There's gallery hours next Saturday, September twenty first, one to seven p.m. Come out to that. I'll probably have drinks or something. And then September twenty eighth itself, there's an artist talk and a closing ceremony. Then after that, Pittsburgh Fashion Week is on October third. Get your tickets now. I'm one of the designers for that. Uh, I'm also. Just found out that I'm okay to announce this, but I'm doing a collaboration with Knott's Land Bow Ties. We're going to have an artist series of bow ties coming out soon. They just opened up their storefront in Wilkinsburg on Trenton Avenue. That's going to come out in time for the holidays. I'm not sure exactly when. Uh, <laughs> Where can uh, we find you? Oh, social yeah, media. Yeah, social media. Uh, my Instagram is at stew, like a thick soup, underscore frick, like the park. My Twitter is at stew dash frick. Everything's the same spelling. Don't post as much art there. You might see more tweets about me, like, shitting at work. Uh, <laughs> it's a good account. I enjoy it. Thank you. I'm going to follow it right now. Uh, my LinkedIn is Stu Frick. <laughs> <laughs> Social Security Network. <laughs> uh, Look at the Twitter, then the LinkedIn. <laughs> my phone number is 412-303-0634. My website is sweettoothcustomization.com. You're seriously overestimating who's going to That's why I feel a little more secure. <laughs> uh, and I think that's it in terms of plugs. Uh, I'm taking custom orders right now if you're interested in any in the pipeline now i can take like probably five more that i can guarantee will be there by christmas so all right well thank you so much for hanging out with us thank you for having me oh this is the best interview ever